Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. Learn from extraordinary leaders and get a behind-the-scenes look at what it truly takes to become a network marketing hero. On this week's episode... Science has proven there are only two real fears and it's that we're born with, and they are the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. All of our other fears we create, and I'll share with you three tips that I can give to... to maybe you're starting to break through, but you have some people on your team that really need this call, and I would encourage you to share it and get them plugged in. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools at blissbusiness.com. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight on uh, another epic Bliss Business Hero Call where we get the opportunity to interview somebody that has completed their own four-year career, or in this case, a great, great deal more. And as I said uh, earlier in the introductions of the call, we have to, have to put forth with this lady a disclaimer, an extra high-level disclaimer, um, when I tell you what she's accomplished in network marketing. So first of all, don't try this at home. It's uh, very dangerous for you to try to accomplish what she's accomplished in 14 years with her company, Isogenics. Not for the faint of heart, as she will tell you. And uh, I suppose I should give you the odds of you accomplishing in the next four years what she's accomplished in the last four years, probably something like one in five million. But don't let that deter you. It obviously did not deter her. Or maybe she was like the bumblebee that physically and aerodynamically cannot fly, but does anyway because it doesn't read. So probably in Susan's case, nobody sat her down and said, look, the odds of you being successful here are one in five million. So not knowing that, she just went out and ripped an extraordinary run in network marketing, and we're going to hear her story tonight. But uh, before I bring her on, I'm just going to tell you just a few things about her and what she did. So part of what we'll get into with her story is where Susan was at when she started. And, you know, I know we do a lot of sort of rags to riches stories on the Hero Call, and I think that's because they really inspire people because Unless you are completely broke with a debilitating disease sleeping on your brother-in-law's couch, you are in a way, way better position to be successful at building your business than, than she was. That's where Susan was 14 years ago. She was, at one time, a high-level uh, triathlete. And as she'll tell you, some things happened to her in her life which turned her life upside down and shook everything of value out of her life, put her deep, deep in debt, put her homeless if it were not for her brother-in-law, and then she discovered Isogenics. Isogenics, as you know, is a, is a cleanse and weight loss and health company that's been on a phenomenal run for the last 14 or so years, about a billion dollar a year company based in Chandler, Arizona. So here's what Susan has done in the last 14 years. Um, she'll tell you she sponsored um, about 400 people in that, in that 14 years, but the most important uh, piece is the first you know, 90 days or so, and we'll talk about that in the interview. But her team today, this is what I want you to just sort of sit with, her team today numbers almost a quarter of a million people. 240,000 team members. And if you're relatively new to network marketing and you're not really understand, uh, don't really understand how that's possible, just sit down with the four-year career or any geometric progression model and look what can happen 
when four people each enroll four people who each enroll four people who each enroll four people and roll that out about a dozen generations, which might take 14 years to actually have happen, and you'll see how somebody could have a quarter of a million people in her organization. Her sales organization alone puts her in the top 100 network marketing companies in the United States. Let me say that again and explain it. Susan's sales organization does $150 million a year, just her sales organization, inside of Isagenics, which does a billion. That puts Susan's sales organization in the top 100 U.S.-based network marketing companies. If she had her own company, she'd be about number 75 or 80 of all network marketing companies based in the United States. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and trainer. She's been on, I don't know how she's done this. I, I, I maybe want to hear some of these specifics. She's been on CNN. I've never been on CNN, CNBC. I, I've not been on CNBC, saw Fox. Somehow Fox hasn't called me yet. Lifetime Television, CBN, The Morning Show, and been quoted in Forbes magazine online. I missed all of those. She's the author of seven books including The Have-It-All Woman, Organize Your Life. Her latest book project is The Soul of Success, Volume 2, with New York Times bestselling author Jack Canfield, who, of course, has created six Amazon bestselling lists. But probably what Susan will tell you she's most inspired and proud of as a leader and a successful network marketing uh, businesswoman is her family. She's got five kids. She's got a beautiful husband, a beautiful family, a beautiful home. And she's done an extraordinary job of raising money and donating and investing money uh, to support women who are at risk around the world, liberating girls from trafficking and investing in education to support women and girls who have survived trauma and abuse both domestically and around the world. So we're going to dive into this lady's story, and I, I trust after that beautiful introduction, she finished dinner with her family, and she figured out the, the call-in code and the password, and she's here. Susan? I, am, I'm not, I don't have the apron on anymore, though. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you get all dolled up? No, no. I, it, it, for the, everyone, and I love that people are dialing in from all over the world and, and just sharing yeah. that, you know, we're all in this profession. But if you had a glimpse of what, I, I love to keep it real. So I'm wearing um, a shirt, a T-shirt that says, I'm done. And I'm wearing a, uh, a pair of shorts I just had on my Williams Sonoma apron because we have five kids, four still at home, and uh, we, we you know, don't use a nanny or anything. We, we are right in there, like, cooking, making dinner. So, yeah, that's the glamorous life right there. <laughs> but I love it. Do you, know how many, do you know how many nannies I would have if I had five kids? <laughs> five. <laughs> five nannies. It is, you know what, you're just a great inspiration, Susan. I mean, if I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what people are going to get out of this call. I know they're going to get solid gold. I don't know what it is going to be specifically, but if anybody walks away from this call maintaining their whining story about how they can't do it because they're too busy, uh, I just imagine you're going to crush that. That's the intention since we're not getting the uh, U.S. stock market tips. So I, I think I'll have to deliver the goods in another way. I'll have to give some other tips. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's get into it. So tell us where you were. I know you could, you could do this for an hour, but tell us where you were briefly 14 years ago. I know you had a little bit of network marketing success before Isagenix, or at least a little bit of experience, but tell us where you were before you found Isagenix. Sure. So I, uh, a little bit about where I was when I was officially presented with network marketing by someone who's a massive fan of yours, Deborah Kay, the first person who put Mach 2 in my hands. And I oh was gosh. a personal trainer in Toronto. And uh, prior to that, I had 
had a business, and like Richard said in his very eloquent introduction, I had been diagnosed with MS, but I had to put food on the table. And so I took a job actually working corporately for Bally Total Fitness. I was their personal training manager for a department. I was the first person in that whole company to take a, a personal training department to seven figures. I was training clients on the side, which you know I was allowed to do to make extra money. And one of my clients became Deborah Kay. Now, imagine everyone that here is this woman. She was in a, a company where she was a, um, a ruby, we'll, we'll say that. And so here she was, drove a beautiful BMW. I said, what time of day can I train you? She said, I'm flexible. You know, I just have my massage, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, what is it you do? Do you work for like the cartel or something? Like I didn't know. Anyway, so I start training her and I see her twice a week for eight months and every single time she's dripping you know we talk about dripping and following up and this is going to be my first point for all of you is that follow-up is is so key you know we know that it's on average over four follow-ups but imagine here this woman is every week two times just relentless, hitting it hard, hitting it hard, you know, doing all the things. She's showing me the geometric progression of numbers while she's bench pressing, like all of it. And what <laughs> happened to me was I ended up having a bike accident and I fractured my pelvis. And I was a year into the MS diagnosis, but I didn't tell my coach and I didn't tell my sponsors that I was sick. I had this dream that I wanted to come top 10 in the pro division of an Ironman triathlon. And so it's about 13 days before I'm supposed to leave for Malaysia. And I fall off the bike, fracture my pelvis and I, I come into work the next day and I'm hobbling and Deborah looks at me and she goes, Ooh, why didn't you take the day off? And this is, this is the gold right here. This is better than the stock market tip. The pause, the pause that went on for three hours. It was probably about three seconds. And she goes, Oh, I know why, because you can't afford to. I was like, ouch. And she said, when are we going to go to Starbucks and when can I show you really what network marketing is and residual income? And I said, fine, 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 when I get back from Malaysia. And so when I came back, we went to Starbucks and there she was drawing circles and she was showing me residual income and showing me the geometric progression of numbers. And even though I saw it, I didn't really get it, but I needed it. And that's the thing with network marketing. We hear all of these amazing stories, and, and it is work. But it doesn't matter when you get into network marketing. It's when network marketing really gets into you. So Deborah recruited me into that company and I recruit a lot of product users because my background is health and nutrition. And it wasn't, you know, I love what you say, you know, in one of your videos where you're talking about the four-year career. And, and yes, many companies have great products and great compensation plans. Now, for me personally, I couldn't be with a company where the products weren't working for me. That The products weren't really working for me. So Deborah and I ended up in another company. And one of, you know, I'm just going to, really edify you, Richard, with a, a pure heart. I love that you're such an advocate for our profession because the next company that we went to, it was um, a unilevel compensation plan. We were five levels deep on the front end, six on the back end. And I'm, I'm, you know, working. It's the middle of the night. I'm doing calls with overseas and, you know, doing all this stuff. I'm doing presentations. I'm literally, ladies, I've got a baby that I'm nursing that I'm taking to do in-home presentations. Like here, telling this person, here, hold my baby, do the presentation, go nurse the baby, come back, answer questions, doing all this stuff. And we used to have open recruiting calls back in the Stone Ages before Facebook and things. Um, and, and someone got on one of those calls and said that that product cured a disease and the company was <laughs> shut down. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that, could, that couldn't have been the first time somebody did that in that company. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't. You know which one. So that being said, I I kind of lost my faith, right? But I had the skills, and, and I was kind of just really, I went into a deep depression. The MS symptoms had been getting worse and worse. I was now three years into this illness, and I was like, I'm done with network marketing. And, and my husband's like, oh, Susan, if you could just get healthy again. You've met my husband, Chris, who's an accountant. Yes, He's like, yeah. you could go back in the corporate world and I'm like 
network marketing, corporate world, like neither of those sounded like a good option. And then, of course, when Deborah called me about isogenics, I, I was in a foul mood. I was angry. And for those of you, I'm sure many of you have people just like me on your list who, you know, someone who has some skills, someone who, you know, could be a good candidate, but you're going to have to work past the nastiness on the front end because I was actually really nasty and I, I'm not the person I, I am today. I, I, you know, I hung up the phone and I was like, stop calling me. But she <laughs> called me 21 times. And Deb, Whoa. I know Deb listens to these. I love you for it. 21 phone calls. And, and for everyone listening, if, if you got off right now and you didn't hear anything else, 21 phone calls. And so when I'm teaching generically, I always share real numbers. And I'll, I'll talk to a lot of friends in the profession who, who are fairly high income earners and say, okay, let's talk about the longest time you had to follow up. So there I was 21 times. And that's what it took to get me to join. And so then my husband, and Chris is going, Susan, this has to be your last network marketing company. It's not like I've been in 12, right? Like three. This right. right. And, uh, and, well, and he's, like, he's counting all the numbers, though. He's tracking everything. <laughs> Yes, and and he's like, and he had heard, you know, all the schmarminess too. Like, you know, you see the the videos where someone's driving, like the you know the car, and they're flashing cash, and that's what he thought the profession was. And so he's like, this has to be your last company, and you know. And I I looked at him and I said, you know, I love you. And here's the thing. It took you seven years to become a chartered accountant. Like, if you include the undergrad degree. And I said, give me seven years to become a professional at this. And, and he said, fine, as long as you get the products paid for. If the products don't cost us anything, it doesn't affect the kids. So he's giving me all of these parameters of, okay, you have to get the products paid for right away. You have to do this and do that and, you know, all of these things. And I could have said, no, that's impossible. But it's like you said about the bumblebee. I just had to be that person who was like, okay, if, if that's the parameter you're giving me and I love you and I understand because you've seen the worst of it, then I have to live in and I have to show you what this profession really is. And I, I realized in that moment, Richard, I had to become a professional. I couldn't be a hacker. So that was how I got started. And, um, you know, and I rolled up my sleeves and I got to work. <laughs> that was the bottom line. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I had a couple of coaching calls today, and <clears throat> I was, I, I don't know why it sort of landed on this, but you reminded me of it as you're talking, telling the story, Susan. I, I, was, I, I repeated myself on two different calls. I said, you know, it basically boils down to this, ladies. They were two different ladies I was talking to, that the people that are successful in network marketing end up having an epiphany a breakthrough, an aha experience. Everybody has it. And that aha experience is that you actually have to do the work. You actually have to do what your coaches and your upline and your trainers are teaching you how to do. There's no way to earn any significant money hoping or struggling or trying. It just doesn't happen. And our profession would be so much better off if people would just come to grips with, is it worth it to them to have financial freedom to actually do the work? And is the work fun? No, it's not much fun until you're good at it. When you're good at it, it's like nothing. It's like life. It's living. It's easy. It's simple. It's, it's just like getting out of bed in the morning. But it's like anything else. Until you're good at it, it's a struggle. And until people come to grips with, is financial freedom worth it? And am I willing to do the work for however long it takes? You just end up being one of those statistics in our profession, which we would all be so much better without all the people who are trying and struggling and figuring it out. And uh, boy, if we had some kind of magic wand where we could just accelerate that process. So they either get in or get out. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so we're all working with 
that's a whole other yes. conversation. We have to do another one about all the nonsense that goes on. And it's, it's much like this. So since I have all these kids and um, what some of you may not know, so I'm 43 and I'm actually about to be a grandmother. So this is a whole other story. But uh, anyway, you know, some people get into network marketing and you're, we're all going to be infants at some point. Some people never graduate beyond the toddler stage. They have temper tantrums. They blame their company, their upline, their profession, and they behave like little toddlers who throw their cup of milk. Then right. some get into the teenage stage where, you know, teenagers can be aloof, they're know-it-alls, they're, they can be brash, and, and some people stay in the teenage stage. Some, a very handful, select few, become adults, and then eventually some of those adults become our wise and leaders of the profession, the people like the late Jim Rohn, the people who just so willingly have, they've made money in the profession, but they're just willing to give out that knowledge and, and to do that. It's not even an age. It's you know people like yourself, people like Eric, people who are just out there saying, you know what, this is the right way to do it, but let's stop the nonsense. And one of my big pieces of advice for everyone is get out of the toddler stage, get out of the teenage stage, and get into the adult stage. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. So tell us how, of course, you had some, you had some good experience. Um, so, but I, you know, how, what I want people to listen to is how you applied that experience to your first three or four months in the business, how did you launch, Susan, and what kind of difference did that make, the launch that you made? And, you know, all these, I don't know the answers to these story, these questions, folks, so we could get anything here, uh, but Susan sponsored 27 people in her first 90 days. That's, that is a very respectable, professional launch. I would expect great success from that. One of the things I'm curious about is who's left from that 27. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe three or four great stories, maybe nobody. <laughs> so tell us about your launch. Sure. So to paint the picture, my kids were five and one. And Chris and I were living in this little house in a place called Brockville, Ontario. And Brockville is on the St. Lawrence River. There are 20,000 people there. Chris and I had grown up there. And basically, I, we had moved back from Toronto because I was so sick. And our folks live there. So it, you know, we essentially had resigned ourselves to giving up our dreams. And we used all the money we had. We bought this house. There was black mold in the basement. There were vermin in the walls. It was about roughly around 1,100 square feet. And so what I did is I set up, I took my grandmother's desk, I put it in my son's bedroom. He had a Thomas the Tank Engine bed. I put it up against a wall. I had one of those old Dell computers, the kind that made this noise. You could drive it and mow your lawn. Like it was that big. And I... I, I, we all have to start with a why, and I don't want to be trite about this because if you're going to be a professional, if you're going to be an adult in this business, you have to have something that's going to drive you because, yes, people are going to reject you, and especially if you live in a small town, they're going to think you're insane. And so my big why was Avery had been labeled as gifted, and there was a private school in our town, and Chris and I couldn't afford it. It was $10,000 a year for day school. And so I ordered Richard the brochure for it, and Chris was like, are you freaking kidding me? He's like, we're never going to be able to afford to do that. I was just like, no, just I'm going to do this. And I put the brochure up, and before I did my calls, I would actually visualize driving my gold, I'm not even kidding you, Toyota Camry, up the tree lineway of this school. (laughs) I also had a job working in a charitable foundation, and I was the executive director. And uh, because my doctor had said, Susan, you have to do something fairly low stress just because of your illness, so I was doing that. Chris was working, and essentially my day would go like this. So I'd, I'd... The night before, I would really think deeply about who I wanted to connect with. Now, we didn't have mobile phones like we do today. We had no Facebook. We had nothing like that. And so what I would do is I would, you know, get up. I would go out. I'd I'd run, and I'd just imagine myself driving Avery up the tree-lined road. I had listened before to, like, cutting-edge media calls. I had heard, like, 
all, all of the greats I'd heard you and I had heard Todd and Jeffrey and all these. So I listened to something with my Sony Walkman. Remember those with the CD? Wow, so, yeah. so I'm going out, I'm doing this and then, you know, come back. I get the kids ready. And then I drop my son off at my in-laws. I'd go to work. And during my lunch break, instead of going for lunch, I would email the people that I was going to connect with. And I'd say, hey, um, you know, you just popped in my mind. I'd love to connect. Are you around tonight? And get back. Sure. And then I'd book all my calls for after eight o'clock. So I, you know, we'd have dinner. I'd put the kids to bed and I said to Chris, look, I'm going to do this Monday through Thursday. So you need to be patient with me, but I'm going to work eight to 10. And so he's like, okay, that's fine. So I would do my follow-up calls and they'd be very much like, you know, just, Hey, how are you doing? You popped in my mind. I just let the person chat. And then they'd say, so what's going on? I'd say, you know what? I'm really excited. And they'd say, why? What's going on? I'd say, look, I just started a new project and you know, I, I've dropped some weight. I feel amazing. And I have to tell you, I'm actually feeling better than I felt in a number of years. And they'd say, what are you doing? And I'd say, look, if, hey, look, if I shoot you over a website, can you take a look? I'll call you back. So there's all the traditional stuff that we've all been trained on. So that's why I was doing, and I was doing my follow-ups between 8 and 10. And then so I always front-end loaded my week and do the and I still do this, the majority of the prospecting at the front end and then the training on the back end because people, when I would be training them, would just be a little more flexible with the time. And so that's how I set it up. And when I first, my first people on my list were people who, some of them had been with me in the company that had closed, obviously, so they were fair game. We didn't have a company. That right. was fine. And some of them were actually my clients, my nutrition clients from my practice. And so when I first, one of the first people I called was a woman named Mar Lorenzo. And Mar had been my personal training client in Toronto, beautiful woman, looked like Susan Lucci. And she flew for Air Canada. And Mar, when I called her, she's like, I said, you know how you always do these cleanses and you go live on wheatgrass for three weeks? She's like, yeah. And I said, well, I found something that you can do. It's so easy. And she looked at the website. She's like, here's my credit card. Like it was, it was one of those. It was like, it, this, and, and I, I want to do a disclaimer too. This, that's probably like the only time in my career that ever happened. I just want to say that. But we had yeah. a relationship. And then her girlfriend comes over. The box arrives. And in those days, we were like, Ice was shipping the products from the United States to Canada. It was almost three weeks to get there. And <clears throat> the box is there. And her girlfriend, Diane, goes, what is this? And she's like, oh, my friend Susan says, you know, I'm going to feel great, be back in my skinny jeans. And so she's like, I want one of those, and pulls out the card. And then Mark calls me and says, I think I want to do this as a business. So we scheduled an in-home presentation. I, um, I drove after work from my house to Toronto, uh, which was about three and a half hours. Chris was freaking out at me. What are you doing? You know, he's, he's literally yelling at me. We laugh about it today, but I always want to be vulnerable. <laughs> and truthful because I don't want to ever sugarcoat it. Like, you know, there, there are going to be, there is going to be tension sometimes in the relationship if both people don't see it. So I put a smile on my face. We had, I think, nine people at our initial one. And this is a really funny story. And I don't recommend this, kids, at home. We serve wine, Richard, because we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> so we're Have like, some wine and then do your wine. cleanse. We didn't, have, we didn't have samples or anything because all they had was this nine-day cleanse. So we served wine and sushi. We played the video. Everyone signed up. Mar and I were like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever, you know? So then I, I would stay over, and I'd get up at, like, 3 in the morning, and I'd drive back to be there when my kids got up. And so I started to just drive back and forth to Toronto to do the business. And one of my mentors has always said, and I'm sure everyone's heard this, but we have to be willing to do today what others won't so we can do tomorrow what others can't. And so basically every week I was driving to Toronto, I was doing this, and then I said to Mar, do you know anyone who's done network marketing? And she said, I know one person. Her name's Carolyn Rodriguez. Well, we called Carolyn, and Carolyn was just like I was in the beginning. She was nasty. She was rude. She didn't want to do this. <laughs> but 
finally we broke her down. She got on the program. She started to look really good. All her friends started asking. And it was actually Carolyn who became my primary running mate. So the of the first people that came in, those the I didn't sponsor Carolyn, but of the first two people I physically sponsored, Mar Lorenzo and Suzanne Hart, they're both millionaires today. I am wow. an old school network marketer. I was taught to build the depth. Um, so right. I still do that today. Deep, 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 deep. You know, you go deep. Who do you know? Who do you know? And, and there are different techniques, obviously, to list build with a person. And it doesn't matter. I, you know, I love our profession, the, all the different compensation plans. It doesn't matter what compensation plan you're in. The more you can build your depth, the stronger your business is going to be. And that's the bottom line. So for me, I wasn't always a sponsor monster. And yes, I, I counted it up in total um, since the beginning. I 500 and I just added this all up for this call. I've never actually added it up. It's like 533 or something. But I've always built the depth, the depth, the depth. And I have worked in, as I said, a unilevel. I have... Um, I've looked at other compensation plans, you know, trainer and stuff like that, but it doesn't matter. Give me the compensation plan and I'll show you the benefit of really working with your people and working that depth. Beautiful story, Susan. Tell us a couple of more stories. Uh, you have such a big organization. You must have some real golden stories. Tell us a couple of people that you found, preferably non-network marketers, you have a couple of those, mm -hmm. and uh, somewhere in that 533 people, a couple of people that you found and what they built. Sure, absolutely. You got a couple of great success stories like that. Like how did you meet those people? What did they do for a living? What was their initial response to your approach? And how long did it take them to set it on fire? Oh, that's a great question. And and one of the things I want to impart to everyone is not to have a lack mentality. You know, in the United States alone, there's about, I don't know, 16 and a half million people doing network marketing. There are millions who aren't. And so if anything, one of my fortes is helping people develop who've never done network marketing before. So when Facebook came along, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the golden ticket. This is the best thing ever because in the olden days, I used to cold call out of the phone book. So just to give people like a you wow. know, perspective. And uh, so when Facebook came along, I went, oh my gosh, this is the best thing, right? So um, one of the first things I started to do was just friend request people I had gone to school with, and you know, the, the usual kind of warm market thing. And I was, I was never crazy with my posting. I don't you know, not making claims or anything like that. I was just posting real life stuff. But I was also taking some time to post success stories of people that I had worked with and more so, and, and we always want to be very compliant guys, but more so just in the lifestyle transformation, not saying pounds in days or money in a period of time and that kind of thing. So I had this friend reach out to me and she's like, Susan, you know, I'm going to Florida on vacation. Um, I, you know, I feel really disgusting. Can you help me? So I call her up and I, you know, we reconnected. We hadn't spoken in years and years and years and we had gone to high school together and her name's Laura. And I said, Laura, I said, when you get the results that I know I'm going to coach you to get, would you be at all interested in making some extra money? And I said, Actually, Laura, if you could think of one bill that gives you anxiety that you can't even sleep at night when that bill comes in, what would that be? And her son was in hockey. And if your kid is in hockey, it's like a fortune. Yeah. And so I, <clears> throat> said, throat> I said, what if we could actually – firstly, help you get healthy, and then secondly, be able to create enough money to pay for hockey every year. And she's like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. So I always say that, you know, as, as much as I think sometimes people will say, we know who's going to do it and who's not. The really, the truth is we don't, and not until people pass some tests. And one of the tests for me is coachability. So she did everything I told her on the program. She and her husband got great results. She came back from Florida and said, I want to take a look at this. So I didn't, you know, just try and tell her about it. I drove an hour. I sat down with her, went over it, and we began to build together. And she likes to say, I've never sold anything 
thing in my life, not even a Girl Scout cookie. And she, she worked at a hospital in a records um, department. And today, her income, um, you know, I'm not going to get specific, but let's just say her income is so significant that honestly, it's, it encompasses roughly about 10 times the, what the average American woman is, the mean median income for American women. And so th- through that whole process, um, I love sharing her story because to this day, she is still the most coachable, heart-driven person I know. And I still remember us driving down Parkdale Avenue in grade nine, listening to B-52's Love Shock. You know, like, <laughs> and, and, you know and, and here she is today, and she doesn't like to speak in front of people. She doesn't like to be the one at the front of the room, but she's the first one to drive across town and sit down and really get to know what is a person's why and what would make a difference in their life. And, and I just love, love that story. And even for some of the people that are listening, I want to share another story because you hear about the success stories and those are going to keep you going, but I want to share with you a story of another kind of success. So I had this person who came into the team who had done some network marketing and she said, oh my gosh, Susan, I have this guy. He's going to put 50 people in the room for you. It's going to be amazing and, and you know, it's, it'll be incredible. And this guy lived three hours from my house. And in, Les Brown says you have to be hungry. And Richard said it so beautifully. You can't, I, I always say something like this, which goes, you can't expect seven-figure results on 10-cent habits. And as Richard said, you can't expect a professional income. And I'm not talking about like these you know, one in 100 million incomes. I'm talking about a professional income, meaning in my mind, you're making as much or more as the median household income. That's, you know, to me, a professional income. So you have to be hungry. So now I'm on baby number three. This child is also nursing, and I'm about to leave to go do this in-home presentation for this person who's got, like, apparently last count was, like, 75 people. And the girlfriend who's setting me up to go to the presentation, she's, like, at the last minute, oh, I can't go. My daughter has a fever. So I said, okay, fine, because I wanted it, right? So I get in the car with my child who decides to scream for three hours, and I get to this guy's place, and he opens the door. He is in an undershirt, drinking a Molson Canadian, no shoes, and a pair of shorts. And I said to him, and I'm dressed up because I always, you know, I always like to be professional, and I've got my screaming child. And I said to him, where are all the people? And he said, well, no one could come. So I thought you'd do a private training. Now, (laughs) I love it. This was like one of those epiphany moments, Richard. And I will also share with everyone that I used to be a men's maximum security prison guard, like men's max. So In this moment, there was that part of my personality going, oh, I can think of a lot of things I'd like to do right now. But what I did is I took a breath and I said, you know, every person can lead us to someone or or something good can come from this. So I said to him, I'm like, look, I just need to go to the restroom. I'm coming out in a second. So I come out, I like calm down. And I said, look, I want you to get out the list of everyone you invited to tonight. And he said, why? And I said, give me the list. We're calling them now. And we wow. actually ended up enrolling seven of them, and I left because I was like, this, I'm not, if I'm going to be in the car with a screaming child, by the time we got home, she was, like, she was teething, it was like six hours of screaming. I am not wasting my time. And, that's, <laughs> and I'm not saying that I have exceptional skills that anyone else listening doesn't, but I have exceptional fortitude. And that's one of the biggest things. We do not need to make crazy claims in this profession, but we do have to tell those stories of the fortitude because that's what makes it real. The person who says, oh, everything I did was easy and I just, everyone signs up and I've done all this, that's not representing our profession. So I wanted to share that story because it's not like the sexy story of like, oh yes, I recruited my girlfriend from high school and now she's very successful. It's a whole different story. Again, being willing to do those things that others won't so you can do later on in your life what others can't. What happened to him? 
Nothing. Guess what? What do you think happened to him? He quit. Exactly. He quit. He quit. He, he blew out the seven people over the next three weeks, and he quit. Exactly. He got his check, and he ran. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shifting gears. What is the biggest career mistake you have made in the last 14 years? And let me define what I mean by mistake. This could be a one-time epic blunder, or it could have been a bad habit that you did repetitively. It may have cost you millions, or may have cost you in other areas of your life, relationship, integrity, peace of mind, health. What is the biggest mistake you've made? Oh, I have to pick like three <laughs> at least. You can, you can pick three and just identify which of the three is the biggest. <laughs> sure. The biggest mistake that I've made, and I've, I've repeatedly make, made it. My husband always says, Susan, you believe in people to a fault. And I've even spent an hour a week coaching someone, Richard, on the phone who wasn't on auto ship and hadn't ordered product in a year. And then, and I'm not even kidding you. And then that person, when I, when I decided I was going to stop coaching him, he called Isagenics and made a compliance complaint against me and then did a Facebook smear campaign. And so I, I went to legal and I said, I want you to pull the order history of this individual. <laughs> like that was, that was one. I mean, I've done, you know, just believing in people like to a fault. I've, you know, I spent a fortune, you know, flying people in for events and paying for hotels and not all those people stayed. Some of them left. And it, I got to the point where I was saying, you know, why am I doing this? Is it because, you know, like many people listening, I had a tough childhood. I was kidnapped as a kid and, and abused and so on and so forth. Is it because I have abandonment issues? It, I, I love network marketing because in order to be successful, you have to work on yourself 100%. And so I kept thinking about this. And what it really came down to is I wasn't pre-qualifying people enough on the front end to see if they deserved it. And I kept thinking, if I can just get them to the event or if I can just invest this time with them and prove to them that I am the person who they you know, want to work with, then that's going to be, that's all it's going to take. And, and I haven't done that with everyone, but if I had to put a dollar figure on all of that you know, including the money I've spent and the time I've spent with people who later on disappeared, I would say it's probably close to a million dollars. Yeah. So, yeah, that, you know, like, where I think that comes from, Susan, is it, it comes from, at least my own perspective on that, is when you have a remarkable story of your own, like you kind of look back and you go, oh, my God, not only did this work, but this worked 10 times better than I was even told it was going to work. Mm -hmm. And if I can be this successful, well, then you look at all these people that you're working with who are struggling, who really want. You know, one of the key distinctions in my book, Mach 2, is that desired you know, people are just so infatuated with desire and they think it means so much. And I'd like to make the point it doesn't mean anything. Everybody wants to earn an extra five or $10,000 a month. And, and what I found I did is I just got sort of infatuated with people's desire. And I didn't pay attention to whether or not they had, you know, the whatever, the motivation, the fortitude, the the maybe even in some cases the skill, maybe some cases the credibility, the stick to itiveness. They just didn't have what it took to transform themselves. And I you know, I wasted a similar amount of money and time. What what are the other two? Mm. <laughs> This could be a whole topic of conversation, right? Just Hey, you know, there could, there's a there's a book 
there, I, there definitely is because I, I see people do this in their lives even outside of network marketing. And it's someone said to me recently about Silicon Valley guilt and how a lot of the the multimillionaires, billionaires in Silicon Valley, it worked way better than they really expected. And then suddenly they have all this money and they're kind of freaking out, right? So they, you know, they drive their Prius and they do this stuff, right? Because they, right. they don't right. know how to handle it, but they hire smart people, which is what you need to do. In our profession, I really, I, I've learned at this stage of, of the game that people are going to give us some clues, and we, my, one of my late mentors, Kathy Smith, who just passed in June, always used to say, Susan, the people you're looking for are looking for you, and you can only match energy with people who can match energy with you. And I think early on for me, I was putting a lot of energy into relationships, and I wasn't pausing to see if it was being matched. And I kept yeah. thinking if I put more, it's like, you know, a, a, a toxic marriage, even if I kept thinking if I put more energy into it, that eventually that person would match energy. And it, it wasn't always the case. I, and, and at this point, looking at it now, I'm definitely a lot more reserved. I definitely look for people to pass a series of coachability tests, I would say, as well. You know, are they getting on the calls? Are they looking for answers on their own? Are they, one of the things I teach, and I just want to gift everyone with this, it's the simplest way for someone who's part-time to do this business. I call it the three-by-three, which is three presentations a day, three follow-ups a day, and pour greatness into three people, no matter if they're financially linked to you or not. And I look now to see, Richard, if they're actually doing it. And the people mm-hmm. that are, they're really the ones earning my time. Because you can't grow an organization this big. And, you know, are all the people active? No, but it's still a massive organization. You can't grow an organization this big and work with everyone. You're, it's physically impossible. So I just wanted to give everyone that tip. The other two things I would say would be just not being on the same page with Chris. In the beginning, I wanted Chris to be me. I wanted him to recruit and to follow up and to do all the things I was doing. And it's just not him. And I see a lot of marriages and partnerships have these challenges because the person wants the other person to be just like them. And if I lived with another one of me, I I think I'd go insane. I just physically (laughs) couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Kimmy is just such a beautiful balance to you, right? It's like two two different personalities, but this combined soul. And it's that would be my other thing I would say is that for for the first few years, I I sent Chris to prospecting workshops, and I was like, and he just it it isn't his thing. But I thank the Lord, this man is a a chartered accountant and has that brain and deals with our lawyers and our accountants and the things I really don't want to do. I love numbers, I love math, I love all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't want to read contracts and things like that. And he does all of those things. So that would be my second thing. And my third thing would really be from the vantage point of saying, if, if I could go back and choose to do something differently, I would stay really strong with who I am, where I'm going, and why there were times, as I said, I started, I was really angry. I was angry. I was disappointed. And it wasn't that I was angry and disappointed in network marketing. When I was diagnosed with MS, I was 27 years old. And three days after that, I caught my then husband in some extracurricular activities. And 16 weeks later, I lost my business. And I had, I owned a health club. And at that time, I had been on radio and television. And I was training Canadian celebrities. And, and so I was the girl, right? And then suddenly I wasn't. And I got humbled really quickly, but I realized that 
over the coming years, I never really dealt with that. And so when you bring a lot of baggage into network marketing, you're going to be held up a mirror. And all of your stuff, which you think no one else can see, your anger, your resentment, people are going to see it. They're going to pick up on it. And in the beginning, people used to say to me, gosh, you're really edgy. You're intense. You're, you know, you're this or you're that. And I really, I tried so hard not to be edgy or intense or whatever that I actually ended up giving away my power. And it's only been recently, and I hope this is healing for people listening, it's only been recently that I've been able to find that balance because we can never change our past experiences. I can't change that I was a prison guard or I was abused like many of you and, and all of those things. But it doesn't mean I have to not acknowledge that aspect of my personality. And so it's just now at this ripe age of 43, <laughs> soon to be a grandmother of all things, that, that I'm really sort of figuring out this is who I am, and I'm totally okay with that aspect of who I am and, and bringing that authenticity and vulnerability into the conversations, not just with people in my own organization, but all over our profession and saying to people, stop trying to be anyone else. Show up and be you. Be vulnerable. If you don't know what you're doing yet, don't tell people you don't. Use tools. Use Richard's book. I, this is like my favorite thing. It's like, here, you know, this is what I'm learning in this book. And, you know, if that's of any interest to you, I'd love to share it with you. That's truth and vulnerability. That's what's going to set you free. It's going to be what sets our profession free because there's so much nonsense happening in the profession. There always has been, but there is a lot now. And people need to smarten up, and they need to just be truthful and vulnerable and honest and stop trying to fake it. As Eric says, you know, don't be a faker. And and that, you know, for me, it wasn't that I was trying to fake it, but I was trying to be someone who I thought people would like better than actually being me. Yeah, that's beautiful. Really good stuff there, Susan. Thank you. So um, <clears throat> I won't ask you what the smartest thing you did is because some of that's pretty <laughs> obvious. Uh, what, what I want you to do now is take a few minutes and – visualize the people on this call, not just live, but, you know, we trust that somebody's going to be listening to this a month from now, a year from now, maybe 10 years from now, and they could be anywhere in the world. And the audience that I like to have these calls make the difference for are the people who are struggling. Mm and 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 you and I know what that struggle is like it's scary it's depressing it's debilitating it's this conversation in our head and in our heart that you know we're afraid to just let the cat out of the bag just we're afraid to just launch into it and tell people what we're doing and why we're so excited about it we're afraid that people are going to reject us. We're afraid they're not going to listen to us. We're afraid we're going to look stupid or we're going to look greedy. It's this story that we have that paralyzes us. And an illustration that I think you've heard me do this before, Susan, is, you know, if your company paid you, like your program three and three and three, three, three and three, something like that, yeah. If your company paid you to connect with three people a day, let's say they paid you $300 cash, 100 bucks a person, but you didn't get paid unless you connected with all three every day. So you get paid 300 bucks a day, but you've got to connect with three people. You have to prove it. And if you ever miss a day, you're fired. And, you know, I, I use an analogy like that to, to have people see they actually do have the ability to do the work. You know, for, for 100 bucks a person, would you contact three people a day? Oh, sure, yeah, for 100 bucks a person. Who would you call? I don't know, I'd figure it out. So where's that story? That's the story that's missing is the, yeah, I can do it. And I know there's so many people listening to this call 
are just deeply embedded in a story that has them stuck and feeling sorry for themselves and scared and frustrated. They want it, but maybe what they'll realize is wanting it isn't enough. What would you say to them? Mm. What would you? What would you coach them to do? Who would you coach them to be? What would you coach them to say to themselves? What's your opportunity for this five minutes to be their tipping point, their aha? As you were sharing, I jotted down some notes, and goodness knows I got on a lot of calls like these when I was scared and uncertain. And I'll begin by saying that science has proven there are only two real fears and it's that we're born with, and they are the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. All of our other fears we create, and I'll share with you three tips that I can give to, to maybe you're starting to break through, but you have some people on your team that really need this call, and I would encourage you to share it and get them plugged in. The first one is tear off your scarlet letters. So in my book, The Have-It-All Woman, I wrote that really around this concept, going back to Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, The Scarlet Letter, and Hester Prim wore the A for adulterer, and she wore it for years because that's how she had been labeled. And some of us, myself included in the past, walked around and do walk around with scarlet letters. Maybe it's something as innocuous as D for divorced and you're ashamed about that. Or it's, you know, oh, because you're overweight and you're in a health company and you you feel like you're out of integrity. Or it's A for abused or A for addict or whatever it is. And it's your choice to wear those letters. And the thing I knew when I started building this company is that all of my letters had to go. They had to go. And, you know, S, I had been a single mom, B for bankrupt, like uh, basically the alphabet. They had to go. And so that would be my first piece of advice for you is take some time as soon as you're done listening and figure out what letters you're wearing And maybe you do something that's symbolic, like pretend to cut them off your body or you just wipe your body as though you're, you know, just, you know, dusting yourself off or whatever the case is. But we all have those letters and you're never going to achieve the level you want to achieve as long as you're wearing them. That's the first thing. The second thing is and I, I, I shared this earlier, is about vulnerability. Brene Brown is doing amazing work with vulnerability, and she wrote um, one of her great books is Daring Greatly, but start with her TED Talk. And I have a lot of friends who are top earners in other companies. One of my best girlfriends is Donna Johnson, different company, but we're really great friends. And Donna um, and Thomas and Chris and I like to have dinner, and, and Donna sent me all of Brene Brown's books. And one of the pieces with Brene Brown and, and really something that we all want to embrace as professionals is being vulnerable. And there's a huge difference between vulnerability and weakness. And I remember years ago, about a decade ago, my good friend Jeff Combs saying that to me, he said, Susan, you've, you've got to be vulnerable, but you have told yourself to be vulnerable is to be weak, and that is not the case whatsoever. So what does vulnerability look like? Vulnerability looks like this, calling someone and, you know, saying something like this, Richard, you know, I, I'm really nervous to make this call, and I, I actually made a list of all of the people that I really respect, and you're you're like number one on the list. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to screw this up, but I just want to say, you know, I, I started something and I'm nervous. And if I send you some information, would you at least take a look? That kind of a call is going to set you free. If I receive a call like that, I am automatically in a higher level of trust. My friend Dave Horsager, um, he teaches trust all around the world. He just came back from doing a trust workshop with the government of Kenya, and there were 31 um, other countries represented in this workshop. He writes for Forbes. He's a great friend of mine. And 
one of the fastest ways to build trust is through vulnerability. To be able to say to your team, like enough with your nonsense and your stories and you're trying to be perfect, is say, look, I do not have this figured out yet, but I'm in the process, but here's what I do know. I do know this, that on Wednesdays, there is a call and some of the, the top people in our profession share from their heart and I know that I'm learning so much and it's transforming me. Would you get on that call? That's a level of truth. The more vulnerable we can be, and that means, and, and to a lot of you, that feels risky. To me, it feels liberating because when I stopped trying to be perfect and I just got vulnerable, I think I lost 10 pounds, but I, it set me free. It set me free. When I was able, one of the things that really kept me sick with MS is because I didn't tell anyone I had it because I thought they'd judge me or feel sorry for me and I couldn't stand the sympathy card. When I just started saying to people, I was diagnosed with this, I'm in the process, I have great days and I have growing days. And right now I'm having a great day, but sometimes I have growing days, but that's okay. People, some people did give me the sympathy card, that's not what I was looking for, but the, the most of the people were like, damn, that was really strong. And that's the thing, guys, that I want for all of you. I want you in the company, bloom where you're planted, in the company you are, to get vulnerable, to get truthful, to I have a vision that is so huge for our profession that we're all going to link arms and change the face of this profession. And people won't look at us and like, oh, that's the flash in the show and the hype. That's the place where we go when we want to get real and truthful and we want to find the best of, in ourselves and develop the best in others. That's my vision for our whole profession. The third thing is I want you to build your business as though the New York Times is doing a story on you. I'm going to write, say that again. I want you to write that down. Build your business as though the New York Times is doing a story on you. Every Sunday, I read the New York Times, and it's a, it's a big, huge – I don't read every article. My gosh, it would be taking like a month. But I read the New York Times, and I read the stories they do on people. And I want you to imagine that whatever amount of time you set, and I love to teach, Richard knows this, I'm obsessed with organization. When you have all the kids I have and everything else, I, I love – to teach people organization and productivity. Now, even if you're doing network marketing 60 minutes a day, 90 minutes a day, two hours a day, whatever it is, I want you to imagine that for that time, a New York Times reporter is watching you. They're listening to what you say. They're taking notes. They're observing your body language. They're observing when you're happy, when you're anxious, when you're, when you're really in service, or when you're holding back because you're thinking more about yourself. And if you could begin to build your business like that, it would be a game changer for you. And that would be my, my three pieces of advice, Richard, for the people who are struggling. It's my immense hope that it's really landing for some people. And, and please do share your feedback with Richard. I'd love to hear it. I hope that's landing for you guys to help you get through because it's not that you need the profession right now. The fact you're here, the profession needs you. And I cannot emphasize that enough. It needs people who are seekers, who are honest, who are vulnerable, who are coachable, who are so willing to show up on a call and announce their company name from all the different companies and be totally okay with, we're not in competition, we're in collaboration for the betterment of network marketing all over the world. Just beautiful, Susan. <clears throat> you are you are such a class act, such a world leader, so profound. Um, you know, I trust you all are paying great attention. I watched the chat a little bit as Susan was was laying it down there, and um, I think you're having. I know you're having um, a huge impact, and you know what you've built, Susan, is just a testament to who you are and what you contribute to people and if people will listen to this over and over and over again i mean just like here's one simple tip i'll bet you can't listen to this call while you work out for an hour this particular call with susan i'll bet you can't work out for an hour and listen to this call every morning over and over and over again and not be a totally on fire different person in 30 days it's just not possible. 
for you to soak in what she's given you over and over and over again. It will change your life. So, Susan, thank you so much for uh, taking a, an hour away from your family. I'm sure they're anxiously waiting. <clears throat> and uh, I just want to say every time I get to speak with you or have dinner with you or hang out with you, it's an, a, an immense pleasure. We have some great common friends, and we don't get to spend enough time together because we're all so busy running all over the place. But uh, thank you for your friendship, and thank you for your huge contribution to our profession. And say hi to Chris. I will. It's our, it's, uh, we have the open invitation for you and Kimmy, so we're buying you dinner. <laughs> so we're going to figure that out. And I, you know, I want to thank you, Richard, because when, you, when I watch your videos and I look at everything you're doing, your vision for all of us, every single person in this profession is massive, and it always, always has been. And thank you for that. I, I see so clearly what it is you want to accomplish. And, and, and I hope that everyone really understands that for Richard, this is a labor of love. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. Yeah, I think you and I just, we just share this deep conviction that this business model and the culture, the wealth building aspect of this business model and the personal development and community culture that come from being in a quality company is just deserves, it deserves so much more. It deserves more success. It deserves people to get it. It deserves for people to step up and produce and, and manifest in it. It deserves a better reputation it just deserves so much more. And so, and, you know, from, from Susan and I to all of you, um, yeah, get what you can get out of the business and always be looking for how you can give back. And one of the ways you can give back is take her tip. If the New York Times was following you around, listening to everything you say and who you were, who would you be? What would you do? What would you say? That's your contribution to our profession. We, we, can, we can build a better place to live. Thank you, Susan. Thank all of you for joining us tonight. We'll see you in two weeks. Love you guys. For another Goodbye, Bliss everyone. Business Hero Call. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course, his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 With Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles.